Hi, this is Jeff Guthrow, and you're listening to Podcast. Rock on. In 2009, the Hotter Than Hell album turns 35. As a part of Podkiss' celebration, we're hosting a first-of-its-kind contest, offering aspiring musicians within the KISS Army a chance to share their skills with fans throughout the world. Now, to the best of our knowledge, Mainline has never been played live, and there are no demo versions floating around. So the only way to enjoy this underrated KISS classic is by listening to the original album cut. But that is about to change. When Podkiss celebrates 35 years of Hotter Than Hell a few months from now, we want talented, musically-inclined fans to contribute their own unique versions of this 1974 classic. Contributions will be reviewed by the Podkiss staff members. Then we'll select a winner, and it will be featured in its entirety on an upcoming installment of Podkiss celebrating Hotter Than Hell. The listener who wins this contest is also going to win the Kiss the Early Years book and five Paul Stanley Washburn guitar picks, courtesy of our friends at Vampire Sales. Um, if you want to check out Vampire Sales, go to uh, stores.ebay.com slash vampire dash sales. That's V-A-M-P-I-R-E dash S-A-L-E-S. Now, what we're looking for is something fresh. It's great if you can play, sing, and sound just like Kiss, but we want to hear you put your own stamp on this song. Send us your MP3 at podkist at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-K-I-S-S-T at gmail.com. As there were a few who could brightly be called the fifth Beatle, there are also those who can be called a fifth Kiss. Bob Kulik is that man. Bob is no stranger to Kiss fans. Through his work with Kiss, it is hard to imagine history as we know it without him. After all, he is also Bruce Kulik's big brother. Bob has worked with artists as diverse as Kiss, Paul Stanley, Wasp, Meatloaf, Michael Bolton, Lou Reed, Dora Pesch, Diana Ross, Motorhead, Tim Curry, Alice Cooper, Mark Farner, Janice Ian, Was Not Was, Raquel Welsh, and, of course, SpongeBob SquarePants. You can run out of breath with that list, Bob. It is interesting to note that Bob also has produced Motorhead's Grammy award-winning song, Whiplash, which won 2004's Best Metal Performance. He also produced and played guitar on the theme for WWE superstar wrestler Triple H and has earned 11 platinum or gold records working with Kiss and Diana Ross. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me today, Ken. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're doing okay. I'd like to wish you a happy holidays right off the top there. So Triple H, huh? So what was it like to work with him? Uh, was, it, was there ever any trouble in the studio? Like if he didn't like something, would he like put you in a headlock? No, of course, he'd do the pedigree on <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Actually, he was nowhere to be found. Right. Uh, you know, the the band was all we dealt with, really. And after they left, because they had to go on the road, we basically were, were sitting there with a, a half a song, which we wound up having to do some supplemental recording, shall we say, vis-a-vis my playing. Uh, and then uh, we had to move some of Lemmy's vocals around to create a full song out of it. But... Uh, having said that, it was one of my most favorite things that I've ever done because of how good it came out for the usage that it was for. So when I see him come out all these years later, that was recorded in 2000. 2000. We did that in 2000. <laughs> so it's 2008 now. For eight years, he's used this theme song. Wow, that's and kind of unheard of anymore. He comes, out, he comes out to this, well, he spits the water out to the theme part that I came up with and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it, that is his signature. 
And because Lemmy sounds like what he looks like, it works perfectly. When I, the first time I saw him come out and do it, uh, I was so freaked out by it because it was perfect. He heard it. He knew exactly how to choreograph what he was doing to it. His wife told me subsequent to when we finally met him, he finally realized what had happened when I explained the story. You know, tell me how this happened. And it's so incredible. I'm so happy. Everybody else is so jealous of this song. As <laughs> well, they should be. You know, yeah. something that fits that great with his personality. You know, and I told him what happened. He was just like, I can't thank you enough. You know, so, <laughs> I, you know, if I need an autograph photo for somebody, you know, if I need tickets. And, you know, I, I did go out and play with Motorhead when they played WrestleMania twice at his invite you know, to, to bring him on. And even though I stood behind the stage, I was there. Wow. And it was it was a great thrill, you know. I mean, you know, we all know it's uh, it's entertainment, it's sports entertainment, but these guys do go at it. And, you know, I've seen him bloodied and, you know, beat to crap. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've asked him, so are you okay after that? You know, he's just like, yeah, I'm all right, you know, I'm all right. It's like, it looks really bad, you know. Blood all <laughs> over his face, and then afterwards is a Band-Aid the size of your thumb on his right. car, and that's about it. But they know how to make it look really bad and gory and all that stuff. It's part of part of the entertainment part. But um, to hear the crowd cheer playing that song when he came out, I wouldn't trade that for anything. It really made me feel great. Um, Bob, I have to ask one question. I saw this on Wikipedia, so you know it must be true. It is rumored that okay. you once gave a young like Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It is rumored that you once gave a young Jimi Hendrix a spare guitar string when Hendrix broke his during an audition in New York City. Any truth to this? Uh, there is truth to it. It's not exactly as described by that. Um, uh, I had a band, the Kitty Band, that played during the day at the Cafe Wa, the Random Blues Band. So we were kids. You know, this place had no liquor license. So we okay. could stay later to some of the entertainment, Richie Havens, Richard Pryor. That, those were the acts that were there at the time. And there were a bunch of bands. Uh, around the corner was the Love and Spoonful and the Blues Magoos and all of that stuff. So that's the time frame of what this was. Uh, this guy shows up one day, Jimmy James and the Blue Flame, and he plays, and it's just like, we're all like, you know, oh, the spaceship must be outside, because, you know, none of us could understand even what he was doing, let alone come near that talent. So he got hired, and uh, he played um, one uh, one day, uh, shortly after we got hired, for Chas Chandler of the Animals. Okay. And, uh, Chas Chandler went on to offer him, you know, you got to come to England, man. I'm going to make you a star. Right. About six weeks or two months after that, he left for England. That was that. But there was a show where he was about to go on, he was tuning up backstage, and he broke a string. So I happened to have an extra string. I was just like, hey, here you go. Hey, thanks, man. It was one of those. I mean, we were all, like, we were totally in awe of him. I mean, and he was, you know, he was not, he was not an unfriendly guy, but, you know, nobody knew... You know what to say to somebody exactly that drastically better than everybody else. The intimidation factor. I'm a kid. He's older <laughs> than me. Say he's young. You know, I, I was you know, you know, underage with a with a phony cabaret license that I got from a from a phony birth certificate. <laughs> Even though it was not a because I played I, I played top forty gigs. I played gigs like that. So when when I was fourteen, it said I was eighteen, so I could play. You know what I'm saying? So I did, did, because I looked older, it didn't matter. If all the guys had their cards, you were okay. But in this case, you know, he left shortly after that. And when he came back, we saw him at the, the Warwick Hotel. And 
we knew he was going to be a huge star. And, of course, he was. He became a huge star. It was just so obvious that he was so incredible. I mean, no, nobody could deny. You know, the real funny story is when he auditioned around the corner with the night out, the owner couldn't hire him because he was black, because the mafia wouldn't have liked it. The wow. Guy tell him, I can't hire you because you're black. Although he didn't use the word black, you know, he said, you're a Negro. I can't hire you. You know, we were all like, what? Unbelievable. <laughs> if that was the case, he would have played at the better place, but it didn't matter. Because, you know, once Chess Channel saw him, that he was on his way. Yeah, he... So I was happy to be around for that. Happy to say that I met him. The last time I saw him, walking down 8th Street past his studio, the week before he left for Isle of Wight, hey, how you doing? Great, how you doing? Great. Still love all of what you're doing, man. You're so incredible. Thanks. What's happening? Going to play a festival in England. Great. I look forward to seeing you when you get back. And he never came back. That's so, sad. But, you know, he uh, managed to do okay for himself despite not getting that gig. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. So history. It's really sad about Mitch Mitchell, too. He was somebody else I met back in the day. Actually, I met him that day. That day at the Warwick Hotel when we went up to see Jimmy when he was playing with the Monkees. But then he got fired for playing with the Monkees when he came back. That was his first time back in New York. Wow. So he called all his friends from the village. We all went up to see him. So I met Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding that time. Very yeah. cool. Back in the day when I was a kid. Lucky kid, huh? Oh, definitely. You, you really have been in some amazing moments in history. Yeah, and, I know. And you've worked I with know. some really amazing funny. people. It's just Yeah, really. Being mind- in the right place at the right time is something else. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> something. <laughs> yeah. You uh, also happened to play with Wasp on the albums uh, The Crimson Idol and Still Not Black Enough. What was that like? How did that come about? Um, well, Blackie was looking for uh, some basically soloists because he was handling the bass and the rhythm guitars on those records. And after Chris had left, you know, uh, Doug Aldrich, myself, a few other guys went down to, you know, check it out. And uh, he liked my playing, especially liked the idol. He really liked that Pink Floyd stuff. They yeah, really it kind of has that vibe to it. And it. Totally, totally. You know, as soon as I played that, his eyes lit up. He was just like, that's it. That's what I want. I'm like, so you don't want some Shredmeister on this? And hell no. No, this is what I want. Somebody with the feel. You know, I'm like, okay. So, you know, I, I played on a few things, and uh, we had a good time. You know, it was frustrating for me because had he let me do all the guitars, he would have had a better record. Had he let me put the Marine stuff, he would have had a better record. Had he co-written a couple of songs with me, he would have had a better record. Had he let me produce them, he would have had a way better record. But as it is, I'm happy to be a part of the... Uh, you know, the Wasp, uh, you know, legendary uh, records, you know, those two are sort of like iconic records, you know. His, his, oh, definitely. Uh, especially uh, Crimson Island, you know, a concept record. And actually, you know, it was a really good record, I, I thought. I thought. You know, he's a great singer. He's a huge talent. Very uh, underrated. But trying to do it all yourself, you know, that's why I, I really believe, like the Beatles and George Martin, you know, the Beatles, these are geniuses, you know. They really need a producer? Absolutely absolutely needed a producer and he proved it right from the very beginning when George Martin was like please please me you know what guys this is too slow the way you got it we should speed this up this is your first hit so without that who knows what would have happened you know the producer suggested that to geniuses who didn't need any help so, exactly there you have it right on the money that's what I like what I'm doing now because I really feel that I can provide for those who are really talented I can provide the extra nine yards and sometimes that's what makes the difference between it working and then not working. You know, when, when Motorhead won that Grammy, it was just it was obvious because it just sounded right. It was like, well, 
it couldn't be any better than that. Speaking of production work, um, over the last few years, you've been doing some very cool CDs, which include the all-star metal tributes to some very cool artists. You did a tribute to Alice Cooper, Queen, and one of particular interest, Butchering the Beatles, a uh, head-banging head tribute. But today, we're here to talk about your newest one, which is available in stores now. We wish you a metal Xmas and a head-banging New Year CD. I understand it got a very good review from the Los Angeles Times by Randy Lewis. He gave it a three out of four stars. He says, If the sounds of Motorhead's Lemmy croaking Run Rudolph Run or Ronnie James Dio lumbering through God rest ye merry gentlemen, don't bring an evil smile to your lips. You're probably Ned Flanders. Shred the halls with stacks of marshals. So that's that's got to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the reviews have been really great. The Metal Hammer Europe, who are usually pretty brutal, you know, and it, they, they said it was brilliant, you know, like Santa Claus with a flamethrower. <laughs> 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 you know, I received some great comments. Um, I think, uh, you know, the difference between the, this record and the other records you referenced is that this is not a tribute record. This is a, a record of classic Christmas songs that we all know, you know Silent Night and uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Little Drummer Boy and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. These are these songs haven't been changed. They're, they are the same songs. However, they've been put into either metal or rock musical pieces. And so if you just heard the music, you might not know what you were listening to at all. And they were all custom made for the artist. So um, we had to do demos of every one of these songs to play for somebody so they knew what they were getting into because as I said earlier to you, hey, I'm doing this project. We're doing some Christmas songs. So what do you think? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Dead Hello? silence on the other end. Now, they're, they're hiding under the, under the table. They're, they're just like, tell them to go away. But here, I'm going to MP3 you the song. Then tell me you don't want to do this, okay? Every, every time was like, dude, that is awesome. How did you come up with that? It's Silent Night. It's just done as a thrash metal song. <laughs> oh, dude. I remember Scott Ian was like, that's hysterical. I got to play on that. I was just like, of course. Who else could I get that could play that better than you? You know, so but we did demos of every song so everybody could hear. And in the case of Ronnie and Tony, uh, God rest you, Mary Gentlemen, um, I was lucky enough on this project to work with Wendy Dio, who manages Ronnie, Ronnie's ex. And, uh, you know, she helped hook this whole thing up with the label and everybody and wouldn't have been able to be done without her. She manages me now. And she's one of the greatest people. And she's a superb manager and uh, is executive producer on this record. Like I said, I'm really proud to be associated with somebody so, so intelligent and, uh, you know, into the scene. So, you know, she got Ronnie to, to check it out. So the demo we did for him was a faster version of this song. So he came to the studio and was like, um, I, I need to discuss this before we embark. I'm like, okay. So he's like, um, I'm hearing it slower. I'm like, okay, so how much slower? He's like, well, I, I'm hearing it at 80 beats per minute. Uh, I asked my partner, Brett, who I also want to mention, I have a great partner, Brett Jason. You'll see his credits on the record, and he helped with the arrangements and all the stuff and couldn't have done it without him. Excellent anyway, drummer, so Brett, by the way. He's a great drummer. He's a real musician, another New Yorker like me, so we get along really great. But he's a younger guy, really in touch with what's going on. So we'll say, yo, Brett. Yo, Brett. <laughs> and I said to Brett, you know, so where are we at with the beats per minute on this other one? 126. Oh, that's drastic. He wanted it as a dirge. So I started playing. I picked up the guitar. I tried to play the riff, <laughs> you know, 10 different ways at that tempo. And it was like didn't work at all. So I looked at Ronnie. I was like, ah, Ronnie, I'm going to have to think about this. So here's what I want to suggest. I'll send you the revised demo. Oh, great. Perfect. So it took about three weeks. I said to Brett, you know what? 
give me a click track on a CD, 80 beats per minute, that I could just live with. Played it in the car, listened at home. Finally picked up my guitar and was just like, you know what? It's like the first Black Sabbath record. Exactly. Come up with that boom, boom, boom. Come up with a figure like that. Well, if you listen to that figure, it's that with more notes. That's basically what it is. It's that feel with just more notes. And from there, it was like easy. Once I found out how to frame the idea, sent it to Ronnie. He was blown away. He was like, that's perfect. And he got Tony to play on it. So wow. not only did we get Ronnie, but we got Ronnie and Tony, you know, the two the godfathers of metal who are playing together now in Heaven and Hell, which is an awesome band. I don't know if any viewers have seen some of these shows. I went to see them in San Bernardino, and they were, they were incredible with Vinny Apathy, who also plays on this record, and uh, Geezer, who played his butt off as well. So anyway, you know, uh, it was a challenging record to make because, as I'm saying, to get artists of this ilk, it took the proper song. And Alice Cooper, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, I see that lyric is me. I can see why you're saying that. But when he came to the studio and, <laughs> and said, uh, you know what, I'm he, hearing this Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S. Yes. I never thought of that. I was like, all right, let, let's let's record that. So when, once he did that, I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Perfect. He's one uh, who really gets it. Every time I've worked with Alice, he really gets it. And, you know, I played guitar for him back in the day. He was another person then. He, he barely remembers me. You know, it's one of those, like, you know. Well, he was really kind of in a fog back then, too. Total, al total alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> that tour was like, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I could barely, you know, sit you know, 10 sentences to him on the whole tour. He was just like, you know, he was, he was basically, you know, like, uh, he was able to do the shows. Another that he was sort of a drunk vegetable, you know. But now the guy is so intelligent, so with it, that, you know, basically what you're hearing on this record is pretty much all one take. His ad-libs and all of that, he knows... He knows where you are. He, kn he knows what's under your bed. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. It's like, wow, that is so funny. You know, but the, uh, the Santa Claus, the C-L-A-W-S, I really thought, very clever. So the label was like, well, we got to change, change it on uh, the cover as well, so it says that. I'm like, all right, great, cool. S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-W-S. Santa Claus. Out. You better not cry, better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Who was the first person to sign on? First person was, of course, Lemmy. Lemmy. We call Lemmy first. So He's Lemmy, look. Kind of like your go to guy. Absolutely. Mm hmm. You know, Lemmy I. He's got credibility, and surrounding him with this band. You know, I know what his comment has been. I've seen his little burp, you know, blurb, you know, like, I bet you wish you could see this band. Yeah, Billy Gibbons, Dave Grohl, and Lemmy, that's where we started. That's, that's all Wendy had when she went and hooked up this deal. That was it. Just that one song. So it's just based on the strength of that, she could get the deal and get other artists to sign on as a result. Yeah, and Dave Grohl, yeah, of course. You know, not, not that, you know, again, these people will play or sing for me because they like me and it's not a charity, they get paid, but... The reality is that they don't get burned. They don't get embarrassed. Right. You know, they're happy with the product. Everybody says the same thing to me. Nobody comes back if they're unhappy. 
not enough money. That's something else. Well, I have to go because it's, it's not. It's like, God, look who am I playing with now? Billy Gibbons and Dave Grohl. <laughs> Great. You know, if you're Lemmy, you know, if, you're, if, if you're the other cast of characters, you can look at uh, John Tempesta with John Denias and Chuck Billy and Scotty. And, you know, it's like, wow, these are like all the yo-cad guys only scrooched into a different band than they're in. Right. You know, so that's that's the magic for me, the combination of the players with the right song, like Run Rudolph Run with Lemmy croaking that lyric. How could you miss that? How could you not laugh at that? Out of all the rain, you know you're the mastermind. took every song like this and make this as good as it could possibly be and 48 artists world-class artists from everywhere you know people in England and, and we did two bonus tracks for Europe that are not on this version oh really there were three have... covers yeah I'm three gonna have to hunt that down <laughs> yeah you should hunt it down the, uh, the other version has uh, Duratesh and uh, Michael Shanker doing Oh Christmas Tree and uh, Girl School the English band doing uh, Old Lang Syne which is really oh. terrific because their accents Singing that lyric, it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's the glove on the hand that fits perfectly. It's like, that song was perfect for them. With a kick-ass arrangement of Auld Lang Syne, it really worked good. So I, I'm very pleased with what we came up with, you know. It just, every time we, we pick a song, magically we'd just be able to find the, you know, all right, let's find a riff and, and then we'll hammer it. We'll just take it as we go. And doing the demos meant that we knew the songs really well, so we really were able to guide everybody through it. You know what I'm saying? So when the drummer came in, he played to our demo. We were just replaced everything we did with the artists. Um, what, is, what was your favorite track on the CD, and what was the most unusual combination of artists that were on it? Well, I think, you know, the, the, obviously, as I said, the, uh, the, the real specialty item, you know, Dave Grohl, Lemmy, and uh, Billy Gibbons, you know, I think everybody would have to say when you have three mega talents like that, doing their thing on something, especially with somebody, you know, like Dave Grohl and, uh, you know, assuming his role that he had in Nirvana as the drummer, but I can tell you that the guy is just um, one of the most knowledgeable about the business and, uh, you know, the nuances and all of what goes on, the history. He's He's a walking encyclopedia of rock and metal stuff. And the guy is totally, totally modest and down to earth, never once ever said anything about money or anything to do with that. It was all about the music. And when you find people like that, that's what's special. Uh, these guys definitely made it worthwhile. Uh, the Silent Night combination, you know, again, getting, you know, the singer from Testament, the guitar player from Shadows Fall, and the guitar player from Anthrax, you know, making a, a mix and match of the specialty item guys. Uh, that worked, I thought, really, really, really well. But that that song, you know, flattens people. Everyone that hears that, it's like, you know. One of the comments from Europe, you know, best damn version of uh, Silent Night ever. <laughs> you know, so what can you say? You know, it's just, as I said, you know, the Alice Cooper session, I think Alice Cooper with John Five is also a real special combination because uh, John, having played with Marilyn Manson, you know, there's the connection. And uh, I know when I said to John, I said, so look, uh, you want to play on the track with Alice Cooper? Like, it didn't require much convincing. No, I would imagine not. He, he kind of owes his career in a way to Alice. I mean, he just it's such an influence, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, we had fun doing every song. It was really, uh, 
there's really no song, obviously. The, the Ronnie session was very special, you know, because he was really happy that we were able to find a way to make it work. And, you know, he basically blasted through that in like a half hour. That's wow. pretty much an organic performance. Somebody, again, like that, who was so amazingly on their game. You know, it's like, you know, do another take just, just to do another take. But other than that, it's like, you know, somebody walk out there and just nail it. And, of He's course, he and uh, Tony uh, have a little experience working together. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and and putting them with Simon Wright and Rudy, who play with Ronnie and Dio, kind of mm-hmm. completes the uh, the picture, so to speak. So, you know, it's the half Dio, half Heaven and Hell band there. You know, which I, I kind of like that as well. Um, yeah. The, uh, the War is Over Happy Christmas thing was a very special session because I thought it would be a great way to end the record. And because of that lyric... Even though it's from all you know, forty years ago, it's uh, still getting there applicable today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thirty to forty years ago is still applicable today. Making me old, you know, Bob. You know, so <laughs> so with Tommy Shore, you know, it's a pretty emotional session. Everybody that came in for that, you know, we you know we got the uh, Kenny Aronoff and Marco Mendoza, you know, a really uh, amazing rhythm section that could play this song because you know when you when you when you're doing a John Lennon song, you don't want to screw it up. Bringing in Luke Ather, who's to me one of the greatest guitarists on the planet, period. You know, really helped, uh, you know, again, somebody who worked with the Beatles. Amazing. Played with Paul McCartney, you know, to be on this, you know, uh, it was very special. You know, and Kenny Aronoff is no slouch. He's an awesome drummer. Awesome that, drummer. That track, is, that track is one of my favorite tracks. We only changed the song slightly, you know, added a solo, added a little bit of an intro. Other than that, you know, it's faithful to the original and, uh, you know, kind of fits in there as the, as the good closer for the rest, which is, you know, just all the Christmas song. I want to go back to a little bit of your childhood, if you would. Uh, what is your most memorable childhood moment that you associate with a Christmas holiday song? I don't know. I, I You know, not being uh, being Jewish, because <laughs> you know, my brother and I were both kind of, uh, you know, I guess we maybe we have more of a memory for... Uh, you know the the, uh, the Hanukkah song show. There you say, go. You know dreidel dreidel, dreidel or something yeah. like that. You know <laughs> dreidel dreidel. Hey, the dreidel worked. That won ten bucks. Very nice. But you but you had to hear. But it I always growing I up. always knew Christmas. What's that? But you had to hear it growing up. You know, every time you went oh. to a store, or, you know, you walk down the street, even in New York, you hear it. You know what I mean? Oh, I I assimilated most of the Christmas songs. Um, how did you wind up choosing the songs on the CD? Uh, how did the artists get lined up for each individual track? Were there any fistfights in the control room? Because I think Alice Cooper could have taken them all on and won. <laughs> Very funny. Well, the reality is that um, all of it was done by us, and we would shuttle the tunes to the artists that we wanted. There was a lot of juggling, no fistfights. There were some frustrating moments. There were a few artists that I really wanted on the record that, you know, Ted Nugent uh, just couldn't make it work, you know. Um, 
ultimately he wanted to write his own reindeer kill song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not on this record, you know. <laughs> and, and you know the you know the, all the rumors about Ace Frehley. You know, yeah, I, I I thought that Ace would do a great job on Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. You know, and, you know we we talked about it, but uh, you know at the end of the day it, it didn't work out. So, so not for lack of trying, but I did pile my brother on there, and then and as I think I mentioned, you know, Gene, Paul, and Eric were all on the road in Europe in this in the, in the period of time that we were doing this, so kind of precluded us from using them. Well, hopefully, uh, maybe next year. Volume 2. Yeah, Volume 2. Absolutely. And of course, the way it's selling and with the reviews it's getting, uh, there's definitely going to be a Volume 2. I think there'll be a Volume 2, and and I think there'll be be tour dates with uh, a DVD, maybe, you know, down in New York or L.A. or London, one of those places where we can get the biggest artists to appear. And, uh, that would be fantastic. Songs have some fun with it, you know, yeah. We've talked about it, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's a daunting project, and we couldn't get it together to do any of the shows that we thought about doing this year, because until it comes out and people really know what it is, you know, just like with the artists, until somebody hears it, it's all just like metal guys doing Christmas songs. I mean, you know, you read some of the stuff on uh, the Internet, and, you know, people... I don't know what they're saying because if you haven't heard it, then it's just like, why would these guys do this? Have you heard it? No. And then the next guy is just like, hey, stupid, the definition of awesome. Track <laughs> two, Billy Gibbons, Lenny, and Dave Grohl. Come on. What are you talking about? You know, definition of awesome. I'm like, okay. You know, so once people hear it, I think that's when we'll be in great shape. So I think hopefully we'll be set up for next year. I think uh, it'll be a great thing to do. Definitely. Yeah, knocking on wood here. <laughs> um, you mentioned Ace earlier. Um, I know that early on, Ace was part of the early lineup announcements for the CD. Uh, how did it come that he couldn't be part of the project? Uh, was it timing, or it just didn't work out, or what was the situation? Uh, I, I think the situation was that uh, it, I think it sounded good to him at, at first, and then when he thought about it some more, maybe he felt that... Uh, he wouldn't be good at it or that it would be thought of as too funny or I don't know I really it never it was like you know it's just no it doesn't look like it's going to work out so what do I do we'll just move on you know and and that's all I can say I mean was there would there have been value in it for for him I think so I think he would have been on a record that's getting a lot of attention you know a record with Dave Grohl and all these people blah 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 and us working together I think you know the two guys that actually played on some of those records, you know, sort of a, you know, something to, for Kiss fans to like, wow, you know, Bob producing Ace on this, and, you know, I did tell him, you know, look, I'm going to get you David Lee Roth's A rhythm section, Greg Bizonette and Billy Sheehan. Excellent, excellent rhythm section. players, you know, so when they came to the studio, I had them play together. Because they were both in town at the same time, so they came to play with the demo, and Ace was going to replace the guitars and sing, right? So they came in that day, and they, they carved that thing, and it was a piece of cake, and they had a great time. And I was like, you know, so I'm going to send it to Ace, and, you know, we'll be off to the races. They're like, very cool, very cool. So they just kept playing. They ran through the whole David Lee Roth catalog. It was just so funny. Shy Boy. And wow. Tobacco Road. It was just, it so, was just so funny. <laughs> These two guys, I was like, they hadn't seen each other in a long time, and there was like a, a little reunion thing to put them together, just like the day that, you know, when Lenny was there with Dave Grohl, it was such a great thought because Dave Grohl idolizes Lenny, you know, and they had a film crew there that day, and they were able to, you know, get, you know, we got some shots uh, and the video, you know, it was very cool. You know? 
very cool to be doing that. Maybe we'll make a part of the uh, DVD for next year. Exactly. Now, I have a question here. Um, I'm hoping, if so, that you and your brother, Bruce, Eric, and whoever else you can get together uh, from the KISS world and do a proper Kissmas song. Any chance of that happening? Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess that's you know all what we they can say, Ken? Well, like, what they say is, you know, you can take the horse to water, but you can't yeah. make him drink. Uh, definitely. You know, that's... that's you know, sometimes, you know, my best intentions, you know, so if it doesn't work out, we just move to the next person. The reality is none of the records that I've done have been compromised by any one person. Not right, any. right. I'm actually but surprised Kiss hasn't done a proper Kissmas CD, like, you know, Twisted Sister did the, you know, the metal Christmas album, and, and now you're having the success with this. Who knows? Maybe someday, but uh, it sure would be cool. By the way, uh, how how is Bruce? Uh, any word or thoughts on his upcoming CD? Uh, he's working on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's taken a while. He's working on it. How often do you get to see him? I know he's a very... Well, it depends if he's in town. You know, he's out of town a lot. <clears throat> right. When he's in town, uh, we get together, you know, uh, either with my uh, parents or, you know, sometimes we'll go to dinner or lunch or something like that, or he'll come to the studio and play or do something, uh, or just, you know, we just might hang. I might stop by to hang, or he might stop by to hang. You know, we see each other as often as possible. We speak on the phone. You know, we're pretty close. He's he's on the record, obviously, on two songs, which is great. Now, which two and tracks are those? We've played on We Wish You a, um, a Merry Christmas, along with me. And we're both on that track, and we're both on... Uh... Oh, yeah, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, sorry. There you go. What do you have coming up for the year ahead, and what is next for Bob Kulik? Well, next is we're finishing up uh, Tim Ripper Owen's solo CD, Oh, wow. He's a singer that, yeah, you know him from, uh, everyone know him as the guy who replaced Rob Halford in uh, Judas Priest and was the subject of the movie Rockstar. Yeah, and he also, he also was, recently on yeah, Yingwei's album. Yingwei's album, Meister, Beyond Fear. He's got several projects that he's been involved with. He's an incredible singer. We're doing the solo record with him and uh, been able to surround him with some of our friends, you know, Billy Sheehan and Steve Stevens and Carlos Cavazzo and my brother and myself and restars on Simon Wright and you know a lot of the great players that uh, we know and uh, uh, use on our CDs are on this and I colored four songs on the record and I'm really proud of what we came up with he's a really good songwriter aside from being one of the best metal singers out there period period guy's a phenomenal singer I think um, unbelievable that, set of pipes yeah anybody that likes him will definitely like this CD the material is really heavy but commercial but, you know, memorable. It's, it's, we've really tried to, we all know he can sing, and we all know that Billy Sheehan and Steve Stevens and all these guys can play. It's what they're playing and singing that will make the difference. And I really think we have some really, really top-notch songs that, uh, you know, he's going to be able to tour behind this and uh, really excited about the project. Actually, we're, we're working on it this week. He's in town here, and we've been recording. You happen to catch me in a break in the schedule here. Uh, give him the best from us KISS fans. Sure will. <laughs> We always look forward to seeing you and supporting you in any way that we can, and we love seeing you at the Expos. Do you enjoy doing the Expos? Sure. I, it's, it's always fun to, to have people ask you questions about your life, <laughs> you know, to have somebody pay attention. You know, it's nice. It's gratifying, no question. And uh, because KISS fans are the greatest fans, most loyal fans, you know, most intuitive fans of, of, of any band I can think of, you know, there's always, there's always that... Uh, 
intensity about it, and yeah, I've always had a good time. Uh, in Cleveland last year, you played with uh, a tribute band, Mr. Speed, uh, at the Expo. They are friends of the podcast, and they really enjoyed you and your performance. It was a treat for everyone there. Uh, Rich and Joe and the guys send their best holiday wishes to you. Thank you very much, and the same to them. They're really, really good, and they're really, really sweet people. I had a really good time. And you know, again, you know, because you have to play with a lot of these bands, it, you really become dependent on you know, them doing their thing so you could just fit it, fit on top of that or mm-hmm. side of it, however you want to look at it. And they were certainly one of the better bands for sure, for sure. Uh, here's a kind of an off-ball question, but uh, Gary Schaller, the one host uh, here, uh, he would kill me if I didn't ask this question. Is it true that you and Tony Levine are not the same person? We just want to go on record with that. Tony Levine is much taller and uglier. <laughs> side by side. He would, his, his head is more mutant than mine, for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another he doesn't talent. have a goatee. He only has a mustache. He's only. I mean, I remember uh, we, we we had a picture taken in New York back in the day uh, when we were like, you know, the the ET, the extraterrestrial, when having a shaved head was like, you know, they were looking for the the, the saucer. You know, and yeah, I've heard of everybody had long hair. Whereas now it's like everyone's I can say to bands, I yeah, you know, now I can say to bands, I look more like what's happening than you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but in answer to your question, we got this gorgeous blonde to stand in between us. And they were like, well, what is that shot? And I'm like, well, it's the caption. Tony Levin and Bob Kulik finally sorted out who's who. <laughs> That's it. So it's definitely yeah, a rose between good. two thorns with the hot blonde between you, you know? Yeah, exactly. It was just like, you know, the bookend. There we were. Uh, well, in closing, uh, I'd like to thank you for being part of our uh, first Merry Christmas uh, holiday episode. Um, Very nice. I would like to encourage everyone to listen to, to get this CD. Play it at work or at the office. People will love it. The thought of Alice. Yeah, Cooper it's a really great. It's a really great uh, stocking stuffer for thirteen bucks at Walmart or Best Buy. Can't beat you'll, it. You'll play it every year. <laughs> and uh, I see the, the commercials are on VH1 Classic and VH1. Yes, so they are. They're definitely promoting it very. Uh, very, very, very good job. Yeah, very aggressive. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. You know, again, if you're, you know, there's a review on the Associated Press and then the L.A. Times. Is, if those are taking you seriously, and the L.A. Times review, actually, I might add, we got three <coughs> out of four stars. Faith Hill got one and a half stars. Elvis Presley got one and a half stars. Neil Sedaka got two stars. The other Christmas records. So uh, there was another review out of the 150 songs on 11 Christmas CDs that this guy listened to. He liked Santa Claus. Is coming to town uh, by Alice Cooper better than anything else, better than Tony Bennett and Count Basie Band and all of that stuff. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, people are getting it. You know, I always thought it was great. I was like, you know what? This is great. If it has a shot, people hear it, they'll buy it and or they'll listen to it because it's fun, you know. So I want to encourage everybody as you are, you know, check it out. You know, these are, these are your favorite artists. You're really going to get a kick out of it. That's really what it's about. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, We want to thank you for visiting with us. And on behalf of Gary, Ferk, myself, and the entire KISS Army, we we wish you, your family, we wish Bruce, uh, everybody there at your studios a happy holidays. And we thank you so much for making the holiday season a little more fun. Hey, thank you all. And uh, Merry Christmas to all the KISS fans and everybody else out there. Special thanks to you, Ken. I really appreciate it. What you did, you busted your butt to get it together. Really appreciate it, everybody. You should appreciate that. Kevin went through this to get this together for us. Thank you again. Well, thanks for the very kind words. And we will be speaking to you in the future. Absolutely. Look forward to it. That's our show. Thanks again for listening. And be sure to check out the other episodes on our website. If you have anything to say, any questions, comments, uh, suggestions for the show, make sure to drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. 
A big thanks to our friends at MyKissLife.net. Also, we would like to thank uh, Julian and all the folks over at KissFAQ.com for all their information and input on the show. A huge shout-out to our buddy Ken for all that he does, the artwork, the interviews, and all the contributions. Ken, it wouldn't be a podcast without you. And be sure to check out Ken's site, which is called KissFanSite.com. And for all your official news and updates, please make sure to check out KissOnline.com. From there, you can also find links to uh, all these solo band member websites. Uh, most of them have pretty extensive websites, so make sure to check them out. Uh, if you have a podcast or if you have a website related to KISS, please send us a letter and let us know. We'd be happy to uh, post a link on our website. And as always, a big thanks goes out to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Fair, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS. And we are your army. Thanks for listening. Good night. This is Gene Simmons from KISS wishing you a happy holiday and reminding you that I regurgitated over 358 pints of blood this year. Merry Christmas.